Hello, DrillerCast family. Yes, Brock and Dave will have new episodes soon. However, in the interim, I'd like to introduce you to the Driller Newscast, brought to you by thedriller.com. Yes, the magazine. Every Monday morning at 6 a.m., the Driller Newscast releases new episodes featuring industry content on safety, the latest news, and feature stories or featured industry professionals. What you're listening to now is a replay of past episodes. If you'd like to listen to fresh episodes as they drop, you can find them at driller.com every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Thanks for listening, and please like and share this podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of the Driller Newscast. We've hit 10 episodes. A year ago when I had this vision of being able to provide weekly updates of relevant news right off the press, along with other topics that are very important to us in our industry, and now we're at 10 episodes. And in the past nine episodes, we have covered water disputes, water rights, the impact on the Ogallala, the impact on the Colorado River, the Western United States drought, legislation in California, the infrastructure bill that is now an infrastructure law, and all the great opportunities from mine closures to well abandonments that are helping us, including the water infrastructure parts of the infrastructure bill. We have interviewed nine excellent industry professionals from drillers to geologists to industry manufacturer reps who are helping support us day or night. We have covered safety topics from hard hats to hearing protection to heat-related illness to a full coverage on fatalities and why didn't I say stop. We've had main stories on mental illness and uh, global water disputes And right now, we're going to finish our three-part series on hiring the next generation titled, They Just Didn't Want to Work with Us. This week is an excellent week. We have Jim Smith from Fleming College, one of the professors who teaches drilling resources. And he's going to talk about training this next generation and the job opportunities they have. We're going to cover how the drought's impacting Idaho. We're going to jump into New York and look at all of the great green energy initiatives they have with New York Geo and why we should all be drilling geothermal wells there right now. Before we do that, let's jump into our weekly safety talk. For this week's topic, I want to discuss seeking out unsafe conditions. Yesterday was Mother's Day, and I want you to think about Would mom think that's safe? Would mom want me doing it that way? Or would she expect more out of me? So, today as we start our week, let's take a look at all the unsafe conditions in the shop or on the job site. If you're on the job site or you got a vendor there, let's ask our vendors, subcontractors, our owners, our architects, our engineers, Anyone else associated with our business or our project that's there to participate 
and let's get their view because it could be very different than our view. They may not be as comfortable with the unsafe conditions that we are. Next, let's take everybody on the job site within the company and review our standard operating procedures. And with those standard operating procedures, let's look at near misses that have occurred in the first quarter. Heck, in the first five months of the year. You're not recording near misses? It's time to start. I want you to think back of every moment you went, that was close. Or I can't believe that went that way. Or if anybody had been right there, that had been really bad. This is not the way we need to be operating, especially with bringing in a new generation. We need to consider these unsafe conditions that are coupled with unsafe acts and how it's a perfect storm. We love to say in our industry, in a tragic way, it was a one in a million situation. Who would have thought they would have been standing right there when we had this failure? Or, whoa, did you see how that pipe wrench broke as we tried to break out that bit? Getting to work with all sorts of different rigs and different continents, I've seen plenty of bad situations that have been coupled by unsafe conditions and unsafe acts. The military taught me a really great simplistic way to work with this. After we have this situation, and now if we're not recording, we're going to start texting our foreman, our owner, our driller, leaders on site. You're going to say, text me every time your spidey sense says, man, that was not the good thing to do today. Remember, we covered that 25% of the time someone on site feels unsafe in the conditions we're working in. So we're going to expect that text. Hey, I don't think we should use this wrench anymore for breaking out or the jaws are slipping on the 48. That's the breakout wrench on the rig because we have advancement. We have breakout tools. We have dual clamping systems. Rigid never thought that it'd be a good idea to cut a wrench and put a hydraulic cylinder on it. There's plenty of other situations from tripping rods to lowering loops to casing to pulling turbine pumps that are unsafe. And for me, my spidey sense always pops up when we're dealing with electricity from overhead obstructions or lightning or having that one more moment of, is the power off on this system to confined spaces of volatile gases or suffocation. And finally, somebody getting mangled dismembered, crushed. Those are the ones that scare the heck out of me. And really the top fatalities is still false. So yesterday was Mother's Day. We know what our standard operating procedures should be. It's time to make them better. Maybe do a job safety analysis. Let's use the after action review and let's start recording near misses. Because If anything, today, as you walk around this job site and you look at all that's here, I want you to think, would mom say this is a good idea? Or would she be yelling out the back door to get off that roof without being tied off? Or you shouldn't be putting your body in that position. 
you want to be unsafe, it's not a good choice, but I want you to think about your family and your mom and the rest that it impacts. Be safe out there. Take some time. Let's get our job sites in order. And this week in the news, released by the Associated Press on April 30th, the Southern Nevada Water Authority announces that the Low Lake Pumping Station is in operation and released photos of the uppermost intake visible at 1,050 feet above sea level at Lake Mead. What does this emphasize? That we have a serious drought as we've continued to talk about. And they have been preparing for this time for decades. Bronson Mack, the Water Authority spokesman, the low-level intake allows Las Vegas to maintain access to its primary water supply in Lake Mead, even if water levels continue to decline due to ongoing drought and climate change conditions. Now, if we jump into Boise, Idaho, Governor Brad Little at the end of the month, approved an emergency drought declaration for 34 of Idaho's 44 counties. The governor signed off on an emergency drought declaration issued by the Idaho Department of Water Resources Director Gary Spackman. Ten counties asked for the declaration. The emergency declaration allows temporary water rights changes for the rest of the year. It could also help with federal drought assistance. Under the drought emergency, the Water Resource Department is authorized to consider applications for the temporary changes. These are the counties that are the lower two-thirds of Idaho, you know, just south of the Salmon River. <laughs> We're going to continue to see these things with what has happened with the snowpack along with fires and winds and just the impacts that we continue to see. If we go to the U.S. drought monitor map published, you know, end of April, it classifies these 34 counties as being moderate to severe drought, with most of them being severe drought. If you look at that April 26th report, the Western U.S. continues to be impacted by low humidity levels, high winds, and vegetation impact dried out by the drought, causing forest fires. Heck, the last week of April, Tucson reported daily highs of 100 degrees. May has always been our typically wettest month of the year for the West, the Great Plains, and the Great Lakes states. Now, moving east to New York State, they are working on a huge goal of being the first to eliminate natural gas and other fossil fuels in new construction. At the beginning of April, Governor Kathy Hochul proposed the budget with a fossil fuel ban planned for New York City first and then the rest of the state. However, later that week, the proposed ban did not make it into the budget proposal. Michael Weiland, Speaker Hesty's press secretary, stated, As a general rule, we didn't include the policy in our budget proposal. I know these groups may not like the answer, but whatever we do on this issue or on any issue is guided by the sense of the entire Democratic conference. 
New York has the Climate Act of 2019, which requires all power generation to come from clean sources by 2040, including 70% from renewable energy by 2030. July 18th, 2019, the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, which is called the Climate Act, was signed into law. New York State's Climate Act is among the most ambitious climate laws in the world and requires New York to reduce economy-wide greenhouse gas emissions 40% by 2030 and no less than 85% by 2050 from the 1990 levels. The law creates a Climate Action Council charged with developing a scoping plan of recommendations to meet these targets and place New York on the path towards carbon neutrality. Once New York achieves this, I hope the rest of the states in the union are watching. And as they're doing it, we should all be collaborating. Drillers, you got an extra rig, you got a crew, young drillers, young drilling companies, you're thinking about diversifying and getting into more business. The state of New York needs you to drill right now. If you want to install loops, Smart technicians, mechanical engineers, head to New York. They have huge goals and you can be part of the change and the future. It's going to be big. And now for our featured driller, featured industry professional, featured professor of Fleming College School of Resource Drilling, Jim Smith with us. Jim, how did drilling get into your blood? Well, uh, you know what? It actually started from a from a TV program that the college had, and I remember I mentioned this to to you and Jeremy a few year, a year ago or so. That uh, I, I saw this driller. He was drilling a well, and he was describing a program here at Fleming College. And, and I mean, I was little. I was I don't know if I was ever little, but I was a younger man. Um, and uh, so I, I saw this, and it stuck in the back of my head. And then going through high school. For some reason, I I lived, you know, not far out of Toronto, maybe 45 minutes from Toronto. And I I spent a lot of time at my grandparents who lived up north. And, of course, wells, you know, were part of the deal. And I remember as a kid saying, you know, this would be a cool career. Drilling, you know, I see those big machines. And so I looked it up in high school and saw this program that I'm actually now a professor in. And I said, that would be cool. And so I I spent... uh, High school and then thinking about this program, finally uh, set up and said, I know where Lindsay is. It's not far. And uh, was a student here a long time ago now, 20, 25 years ago, maybe I was a student here. So, yeah, it was uh, it was good. And then, of course, brought me into the career right away. I, I got a job before I even finished. And I was my first job drilling was on an island. I had to take a barge with an old cable tool drill. On an island, my first hole, 230 feet of granite with a cable tool on an island. Shoot me now. It was the longest month in my life, right? Bucketing up water. and um, But, you know, you learned a lot. You're on an island and uh, there wasn't much around, but uh, some fishing maybe and, and uh, a boat ride in the morning. So, But it was good. It, it taught me a lot. I got, kind of got thrown into it right away so that's how i started and now you're teaching these young men and women to put them into this industry how do you how do you do it 
Well, we do have a system of, you know, there's the hard skills of operating equipment and, and, and understanding, you know, drilling scenarios and all that. And then there's the soft skills, interpersonal stuff, right? So, you know, one of the big conversations I had last week with my students was get out there and don't forget to shut up. And, and the point I was making to my students was we leave college, we leave this educational experience, and we just want to share everything we learned. You know, I learned this, I learned, you know how to. And so I said, the problem with that is you get it in the industry and, the, the you know, the 20-year the vet's like, you know, shut up, kid. Like, I, so I said to the students, I said, you got to pick your times. You be the best helper you can be or the best assistant you can be. You be the best part of that team. You know, if, they, if they're looking for a welding rod, you have it right in your hand, ready to go. If your job is to, to set the case and get it ready, you get that long before the driller helps you or tells you to do that. You're going to have your opportunities to share your knowledge, to share your experiences. It just might not be right away. You got to build the trust first. I said, always operate in a safe manner. So speak up for safety at all times. But remember, you're part of a team. You're part of a crew. You have to be likable. You have to be, you know, uh, able to get along with the crew you're on. You have experiences. You have knowledge. You're going to be able to have times to use them but you don't have to use them all in the first week. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So I think it's important to share those skills with the students to say, this is the skills that makes a good team member. And and that is, yes, the safety skills, the driving skills, the rod handling skills, the soil identification skills, but it's also being a good you know, friend or, or maybe a, a good colleague, maybe helping the colleague out. Karen, hey, how was your day last week? So I think it's important to marry real hard skills, do stuff for me that makes me money. And I really like working with that person. She's awesome or he's awesome, right? I think that's what we, we, we cover those hard skills, but we also tell them about the realities of the industry. Okay, so these guys get out in the field. They, uh, they start absorbing your students, uh, this is the last week of school. They're graduating. Do they have jobs? How did that, how does that work out? They all have jobs if they want jobs. Um, you know, some of them are going on to higher education or some of them are going on to university courses, a couple taking our geology courses here. Um, some of them are just going to take some time to, they're not quite ready to jump into full time. But as far as work, we have more companies than students I could ever get, I think. You know, our exploration drilling right now up here is just crazy. Drills are firing up at all times. And so, I mean, that's just one industry. You got the water well guys that are all busy. You got geotech environmental and, and the GTA, the foundation and construction drilling. Like I said, the tunneling projects, the infrastructure spending, we can't have enough students. You know, it's probably 10 jobs to one student. And so they all have work. It depends on where they want to go. I can't think of a better place to wrap up other than if you have any more wisdom and knowledge you'd like to share right now. The floor is yours. No, I think uh, I, I love what what's going on in the industry. I love what you're doing in the industry with the driller, with, with all these podcasts. And, and again, getting out the message that 
you know, this is an industry. It is a valued industry. It is an important industry. Um, and that we just need those younger generations to say, I could be doing this. And we need to make the industry something that people seek after, fight to get involved in, fight to get involved. I want to be on the back of that drill. Why? Because we valued that position. We've put a monetary value to it. And socially, I think it, it, it serves the purpose we need. So I think it's important. I want to thank Jim. Thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, Fleming is just such a cool uh, university. And uh, you know what? If you're a young man or woman and you're thinking, you know, I think uh, I want to go to college for this and you uh, want to head up north, do it. I, I don't think you'll ever regret the experience you'll get. No. Thanks, Brock. Excellent. Thanks, Jim. And on to our main story, part three of hiring this next generation titled, They Just Didn't Want to Stay. This is going to be on developing and retaining Generation Z. In the first quarter of 2022, resignations in mining and construction industry was roughly 700,000 Americans. That was individuals that didn't want to stay at those jobs. Last week, we discussed there are 3,650,000 high school graduates entering the job force and roughly 4 million college graduates entering the workforce. In part one, we saw that the employment playing field for the construction industry is 745,000 employers. Yet, if we move into that 5,000-foot view from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there are 10.75 million employers with over 11 million job openings. Today, our unemployment rate is 3.6%. In March 2022, the average hourly earning of a private job, the employee made $27 an hour. Today, the opportunity for employment is endless. In the first two parts of this series, we have established their ability for Gen Z to work in the drilling industry and that they have the desire to learn a trade with a meaningful purpose. Like I've said, drilling progresses the civilization of everything by providing water, resources, information, and energy. There's nothing more spiritual than bringing what humanity needs out of the ground to progress it. Last week, I learned from the New York Geothermal Energy Organization about the need for every able-bodied individual possible who wants to be part of the state of New York's geothermal initiative. New York needs drilling companies drillers, and more technicians who want to help install 2 million residential geothermal systems by 2028. On top of that, there are large-scale geothermal systems throughout the state of New York for universities, for schools, for major business, along with the rest of the country who is also doing large-scale geothermal and residential geothermal. 
they all need as many men and women that want to be part of this industry, that want to have purpose and green energy and conservation and making a better tomorrow. They need them all to be successful. So what is it going to take for the drilling industry to be able to grab that 7 million new people that are coming in, college graduates and high school, along with other individuals that are sick of sitting behind a computer or have just come home from their service and enjoy being in the field and running heavy equipment and being muddy. It's going to take our industry doing what the rest of the employment universe does, giving a big outline. But the drilling industry, we're a secret society. And we don't pull the curtain back well enough to show good young women and men or those who are ready to have more purpose what our industry looks like. Like I said, barista or welder last episode, and more than 55% said barista because they know what it is. The same thing. All we see is what's on social media and funny photos of being covered in mud and miserable or terminology like colder than a well digger's behind. So we have to be able to discuss our job expectations. And that starts with hours of operation and working condition, creating boreholes, putting product into boreholes, extracting water resources or energy out. Mother nature is not cooperative and patient. Therefore, typical drilling project, we don't do lunch or we do lunch on the fly. These are the type of things that as we develop into professionals and you're new to the industry is not readily thought about. So what does a typical day look like at your company? These are the type of things we should be talking about with this new generation that wasn't the neighbor, wasn't the son, wasn't the farm kid down the road that really loved it when that large irrigation well went in and dad and grandpa could make more crops. And then working in conditions. We're not seasonal work. Often, if it's above 18 degrees, we're drilling. When somebody's out of water, we have to provide water for them. When a farm is out of water, we have to do it, regardless of the holiday or what it should be. We're not a typical eight to five. And these are the type of things that young men and women need to know so that we can develop them into the professionals that want to stay. Next, we got to talk about travel expectations. What does our out-of-town work look like? Are those individuals that you're hiring starting a new family or a new relationship and becoming that adult? You know, that's the difference between hiring out of high school and hiring a college student as a college student has had time on their own and has had to navigate much more levels of situations than say somebody who has just come out of high school, not to mention the relationships and the family and all those situations. So travel expectations is big. And then next, of course, skill expectations. We've recognized that maybe they didn't have shop class 
or maybe they don't have a mechanical background. But what are those expectations? How long does it take for them to get their CDL? What is your expectations on that? What type of equipment are we going to be running? What are the danger expectations? Then we go into, you know, professional development. All the trades have amazing professional development opportunities. And sure, we have online universities and trainings and blogs, but I want you to think about you go to a trade school and you learn how to frame out a house and you get to the next business. Sure, maybe they're using a different type of hammer. Sure, maybe they have a prefab design that they do, but the processes are pretty similar and the goal can be seen at the end of the day. Whereas when we're discovering the unknown, it's really hard to know what we're getting into. This next generation wants to collaborate. What is your company's process for collaborating, sharing knowledge? We get them recruited. We get them through our safety training and a basic process. And then you think about how often drill jobs change or how we lay out a project, how a job is hooked up, urban environments versus country environments. We need better standard operating procedures. And we got to understand that the new technology that we have out there can allow a younger individual, a newer individual to our industry to jump up on the rig and operate some rods, tripping in, tripping out, you know, raising the mass, the basics that we need to keep them inspired to be part of this. So what is your culture looking like? We just heard from Jim Smith and he said, these guys and girls have all this great knowledge and they get in the field. And one thing I got to give them advice on is to shut up and watch and listen. I think that is solid advice. And it's the expectations that we have for our new generation going in to work with the older generation. Last week, I said, you need to share every bit of knowledge as possible. And I think there's a blend there. We need to be able to problem solve together. When we're family on a piece of equipment and it's dad, grandpa, mom, whomever, and it's the child, you know, it was just Mother's Day, right? So... Mom's always worried about what's happening on the job site and how it can be better. But we explained, no different than I explained to my three-year-old, the reason we do things the way we do them so we don't get hurt, so we have a process, so that I'm passing on that knowledge. We have to pass on the knowledge. And we don't have a book, an effective book. We've got plenty of great articles and we got plenty of different ways to be successful from stocking caps to cowboy hats. But let's face it. The book on the job site is the man or woman standing on the platform, controlling the tempo of the job site and developing the people out there. And that's what's important is how do we develop them? They need to understand the job site hierarchy. They need to know What are the milestones to track progress? And sure, we can go into a performance improvement program or a program of milestones. I'm going to make this easy. I'm going to break this down 
for my military friends, Barney style. And this is what I've used and it's been successful. And I've written about this and I think it is something that is easily adopted. And it's no different than our after action review that we talk about, but drillers, foremen, company owners, our expectations for hiring simplified right here. I want you to get a three by five note card. After the first week of the new hire being with us, I want you to hand them this note card as you sit across from the table. You guys can have sodas. It can be after work, whatever it has to be. I want you to say, write down five goals that you'd like to achieve by the end of the first month. Once they're done, don't read them. Flip the card over. Now you write down five company goals. One goal for the end of the first month. Two goals to be achieved by the end of the first six months. Then two goals for the end of the year. Next, I want you to establish dates for the next three meetings. The one that's going to happen 30 days from now. The one that's going to happen six months from now. And the one that's going to happen a year from now. And yes, what happens? Our industry is unpredictable. And what's the first thing that happens in an unpredictable industry? We stop taking notes. We stop looking at logs. We stop performance reviews. We stop doing the things that you, as the owner, as the leader, needed to step off the platform and become the leader and the vision for the company and trust that that driller and foreman can do what you're doing. And when you step off the platform, that means you make these dates for the new hire. And for any of your employees that you're getting more inspired to be part of it. But most importantly, for this generation that we have to develop right now. Next, I want you to laminate that card with those dates. Then, you know, as we start this progress meeting for the first month, I want your driller, your senior leadership, everybody who is involved in the growth of this individual to be part of this meeting, even if it's got to be a phone call or a Zoom. You know, I especially suggest the owner being part of this and getting as much insight as possible to the site leadership into your new employee's eyes. Because what do we say? We start investing in these people and they leave. Now it's time to review the employee's original five goals in progress. It's, it's going to be tough for that first month, right? I want you to discuss those original goals and have them change things because we don't have the best book at how to be a good industry in developing people. Sure, some of the big companies have come up with processes. Sure, the operators union have a better process. We're tribal and self-taught. The great thing is, is be by us having this five goals that they wrote down, they'll get to reflect on those goals and all the process that has happened and evaluate what they wrote down. And it's going to be humbling for them to reflect on it. So what they didn't achieve, we can put on to the next note card. Next, we go to our goals and we have that big discussion about, you know, what do we as a company, we as an individual 
want out of this? You know, is it understanding the basic operations of the job and layout, understanding the checklist that we need before we leave the shop, understanding it's okay to say stop, you know, operating safely, picking up some books and understanding geology and understanding the basics to fluids mixing or how the job site needs to be laid out. And these new pieces of equipment we have, we easily have a process that will make us a better team. All of these innovations are getting us there. But we put those five goals and we stick to them. And as they become successful, we have that place for milestones. We understand if they're going to be good. We need to understand that every job site, if it's a success or failure, is a teachable lesson. Randy Pausch with the last lecture would say, experience is what we get when we didn't get what we wanted. And drilling and discovering the unknown, we often don't get what we wanted. But we can learn from it and we can build from it and we can build on good processes and innovating and doing what's right. And so we need to do that. We need to understand that we need good mentors. And maybe our top driller is not the right mentor to be developing our people. If we have that individual that continually gets left, you know, or a driller that has a helper every six weeks, a new one, we need to understand why. We need to figure out what's going to work. And there's plenty of ways we can do that. And by them hitting these milestones, we can talk about promotion and we can talk about succession plans. My culture change and challenge is for all of us in this industry to approach our new generation like this. This is our 21st century approach. When you sit down with them on day one or day five, but before they start having that idea that the fast food restaurant up the street is paying $22 an hour and they're closed on Sundays and they have 401k and insurance and you get free lunch. We got to get them before they're gone. So I want you to sit down with these new hires and say, one day I want to work for you. I know everybody right now is saying, no, no, new culture. We all work with each other. No, for me, one day I want to work for them. But right now, I want you to work with me. Our industry needs you to work with us. I need you to understand that the goal in us working together is for one day for you to be better than me to progress this industry, to continue to adopt change, to be part of the geothermal push to help us with our independence on fossil fuels and being a better environment, for us to work on the global water crisis, for us to continue to bring out those precious resources that make the new technology that we need. That's what I need from you. What I'm doing today is what I need you to do better than me tomorrow. And why am I saying that? Maybe I'm selfish because I know that our industry, we have a hard time retiring. 
and we have a lot of good knowledge to pass on. And it continually disappoints me when we think that we got to wait till the end of our career to pass on all this great knowledge. Before I ride off in the sunset, I want to watch these great men and women that I got to work with. I want to be the one working for them. That's what I want. And that's the culture shift it's going to take for us to get there with Generation Z and then my children who are Gen Y. It's about finding that balance and understanding we are one of the most rewarding industries to work in and with and for. There's nothing more spiritual than making water come out of the ground, saving the environment. But at some point, all of the individuals out there that are doomers, that are just pushing against all of this and not helping us progress, they got to get out of the way because the new generation has to be our able-bodied individuals that make us a better industry. That's how we're going to hire the next generation and inspire them. There's plenty out there. It's just, we need to start looking right here in our heart at why they're not working with us. And then we need to use this right here in our mind to figure out how to retain them, excite them, and make them into better leaders and better than we are. Let's end of part three. Thanks, everybody. This wraps episode 10. So wild to see us at the 10th episode. Let's see episode 20. Go back and revisit some of the episodes you missed. You can catch them on driller.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I'm so thankful for all of the industry professionals that have come on, and we're going to continue to recruit more. You can reach out to me at questions at asbrock.com. I'm also looking for great stories. Hey, industry manufacturers, professionals driving this industry. We're still looking for sponsors so we can continue to grow the voice of this and have you be part of the message and what we're doing. Thank you for starting your week out with us. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Check out thedriller.com. Check out Asbrock. Contribute to the industry beyond building. Figure out your way of sharing knowledge and inspiring this next generation. Thank you again. Thank you for listening or watching this episode of Driller's Cast. If you would like more content, you can always go to drillerstribe.com, D-R-I-L-L-E-R-S, tribe, T-R-I-B-E.com, or find us on social media at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Driller's Tribe, Driller's Cast, Global Drill Trainer. Uh, You can definitely get into discussions with us 
and other industry experts, trolls, and um, mud men at any time. The intro to Driller's Cast is provided by Dave Bauer's son's band, Far Under. The intro to Mud Men and other music that you hear on here is licensed through Artlist Music Licensing. And finally, for the Lego Mumbo Jumbo, The View, and opinions expressed here on Driller's Cast and Driller's Tribe are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of our employers, companies we work with, or companies that we volunteer to work with. Any content provided by our hosts, guests, bloggers, or authors are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. We have the best intentions here, and it's uh, just like drilling. Things are unexpected, and none of this is scripted. Thanks for listening to Driller's Cast. We really appreciate you. Please like, subscribe, share, and we'll continue doing this for as long as it continues to be fun. Thanks.